Hi, this is Victoria Ford from Farago on Remote Control Season 2. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for joining us on Season 2 of Remote Control. It's great to have you on. Hi, thank you very much for asking me. So before we dive into our conversation, which is going to be around business change and, and transformation, it'd be great to hear a bit more about you and also the work that Parago do as well. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Um, so I am kind of, I don't know, how do I describe myself? A specialist in comms, business change, transformation. Um, I've been working in the change space for probably about 10, 15 years now, um, initially started off doing business change actually for a government um, organization and then got involved in comms. I've got quite a weird um, career path into being a head of communications uh, which I was in the civil service um, for a while but because I was so interested in the way that people respond to change and what organizations need to do to support people through change and also the role then that internal communications has to play in that. So that's my, my background space. I, I left the civil service some sort of four or five years ago um, and set up Parago with some colleagues. We're um, a small well, an SME based in South Wales. We're, we're based in Swansea. We're all from Swansea. Um, and we work primarily um, across organisations sort of doing public service delivery in Wales, um, but we do go wider as well. And we work with people on their transformation um, around the organisation, digital, and my role, particularly in that, looks at the people, business change and communication side of it. Oh, wow. So it's really quite a broad piece that Parago look at because change is everywhere isn't it for business especially at the moment absolutely and and I think you know we we talk to organize people if we say we do digital transformation which is kind of what we do um people quite often think that means technology and whilst you know as a team we do have um a fair bit of background and understanding of technology I can't say that, technological change. Um, actually, it's far more than just technology. Um, for me, it's more about people and the way that people respond to change, about how you use digital tools to provide better services for your customers, whatever that service is you provide. So we very much focus on the whole organisation, um, on what we call um, sort of user-centred service design. So designing the services that you deliver around the needs of your users. So really understanding what people need to do to be able to interact as smoothly as possible with an organization yeah that that makes total sense and, and echoes some of the other conversations specific to internal comms that i've had on uh season one of this this podcast where it was actually one of the questions i would ask would be kind of what um what tech and what tools would you recommend and most of the answers always came back with you know i don't really start with the tech and the tools Absolutely, it's, all, yeah. it's all about the the message it's kind of what is the takeaway that's needed at the end or the change that is needed to happen uh, and then almost work backwards from that and how are people kind of set up to receive it so it might be great to invest in this brand new technology but if your workforce doesn't have access to work mobile phones or they're told that their mobile phones must stay in the desk during the nine to five you know suddenly having an, an, an sms tool or a push notification tools you know pretty useless at the end of the day <laughs> yeah um so that was yeah and it, so, okay. it is interesting because you know i think it's great when people are seeing new technology working and you know it goes blows our minds all of us doesn't it what it can actually do for you so people thinking about that in a work context and how it can make the way that we do things better is great but actually if you jump to that or you know I've seen this this whizzy thing in this organization can we have one too please um <laughs> chances are you'll end up with something that no one uses 
Yes. Yeah, I think um, there's some, I think everyone can think of at least one tool in their current business that sounds and looks good, but uh, has not, not really been used that, that much. Yeah. Um, that actually kind of brings me, reminds me of a question that, because we're, we're here and kind of want to talk a little bit about internal comms, change and remote working. When I, when I first started the Remote Control podcast, it was kind of based around this, what seemed like an outlandish claim uh, that 50% of workers would be remote in 2020. Now, can you imagine? <laughs> God, can you imagine such a thing? I don't think that the people who did the research quite foresaw what was going to happen this year. I don't think anyone has done, no. certainly in a work environment as well. Um, and so, I guess when we're talking about working remotely, there's a lot that gets talked about in terms of in terms of the te- in terms of the tools. Um, I, but I think maybe this year more than ever it's become really apparent to everyone that it's kind of the culture of the business and its leaders that are so vital to for remote working to work for employees and also you know to keep that business performance going it can't just be suddenly that okay everyone has to work remotely and yet it's great that we've got teams or we use zoom for one-to-one calls Mm -hmm. that's just not going to cut it it needs to be that culture of kind of i don't you know keeping in touch with people, being self-motivated at times as well. It's like a lot more than just a tech and it just really mirrored what, what we'd already started talking about. And, and I think that's absolutely right. So, so you know, prior to the pandemic, um, working with organisations, most of the organisations I've been working with and, and our company have been working with actually were pretty well set up from a technology perspective for remote working, maybe not to the extent that we've now found ourselves in, but actually people could work remotely if they if they choose to or if their job allowed them to do. What tended to be missing is that cultural piece that you've just mentioned, you know, the, the moving away from that idea of presenteeism that, you know, unless yeah. you're sat at a desk somewhere, you're not working. Um, and the, don't get me wrong, it's not like that everywhere. Lots of places, there, there was a great culture and, and people were able to work when they wanted to. But it was always that sense of actually you've always got to be on, always on, always there um, in one way or another. And that was the kind of cultural stuff that people were finding very challenging to be able to move people into a, a truly flexible way of remote working. Yeah, totally. I think even if I think to how I've been working and and Stringo, who I work for, were flexible in the first place. I would work from home one or two uh, days a week anyway. Um, I was uh, kind of structured around childcare. So that mm-hmm. flexible working was already there, but it, it was kind of a bit of a change I needed to make rather than rather than the company in terms of, you know, just because I could look at my emails on my phone um, didn't mean that I had to or that I could get instant yeah. message on my phone. It's kind of like, you know, actually... You know, people are going going through a lot in the summer and yes, there's a message there. It can wait until, you know, I finished my morning shift with the kids during lockdown when, you know, schools and nurseries w- weren't open as usual. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of working that out for myself is is perhaps something that kind of took me a little bit by surprise. And I don't know how many other companies kind of really almost almost forced their employees to take take a step back from working which is you know very yeah. odd sentence to say 
And, and I think it probably it was a bit of a shock. Well, a lot of it was a shock to, to all of us, wasn't it? But actually, we should think we've had years and years of culture ingrained in us about, you know, during working hours, we work, whether that's nine till five, you know, 12 till 10, whatever your working hours happen to be. Yeah. That's when you were very much in work mode, that you were expected to be available, that you were expected to be responsive. And for a lot of people expected to be physically present in an office space of some description. And I think that obviously all got thrown right up in the air. And no matter what organizations would do to support you technology wise to, to work within that, as you say, getting your own head personally around what that meant for you and allowing yourself to behave differently has been a massive challenge. And um, I, I don't think a lot of people still, you know, I'm not great at it. There's lots I could be doing better about switching off, you know, my, my, kids are older my son's 15 but he was having a go at me yesterday because I was checking messages on my phone when he was trying to ask me a question at eight o'clock in the evening <laughs> now you know we, we're not great at switching off and we need to make more of an effort to do so um one, one of the things that I saw right at the start of lockdown with one client we were working with was a really good message shift that happened quite early on because they recognized this. And one of the things that they started asking us to think about was how we could get the message across to the organization that actually right now, work didn't come first and that was okay. And it was okay to say that and to accept it. And they introduced a slogan that said self family work in that order. Um, So we we started using that throughout the organization. And I'm not sure if I'm honest, who came up with it, it was probably someone who was a bit of a um, Gareth Bale fan, because I don't know if you're a football fan, but his <laughs> line when he was in Madrid about, you know, golf, Wales, Madrid in that yeah. order. <laughs> so you know, seemed to bring a bear on that. But, um, but, it, but it actually became quite a strong message that we've then found people in the organisation repeating back at us. You know, when you, you realise that these things have worked because yeah. people are telling you that that's what you need to do as well. And I thought that was quite um, a, a positive and quite a brave step for the organisation to come out so openly and say, do you know what, right now, the most important thing is looking after yourself and your family, because if you can get that right, the work will come anyway. Yeah, that's a really, it's a really thoughtful and quite quite emboldening or empowering message that to to get that from your you know whether it's your line manager or, or if it is kind of corporate communications as, as a whole you know it feels like that would kind of really put your mind at ease and hopefully help you strike a, a kind of a a good balance during the time when it was yeah almost impossible to 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 work out what that balance was really and, you know, and it, it works in, in the organization's benefit as well, doesn't it? Think about the emotional contract that you have with your workplace yeah. and your work. If you feel that somebody's supporting you when you need it, you're prepared to support them when they need it as well. You know, it's that two-way piece that works really nicely. Yeah, and you, you can imagine people come into, you know, the the third piece of that, you know, looking after themselves, sort of making sure the family's right, and then it's the work. You can imagine them being in a... Um, more, maybe more energized or kind of positive mood and to, to deliver or be more productive within that time and I'm exactly. not saying that's why the kind of the company said it like that but you can just imagine that those unintended benefits of absolutely it, it works yeah like it, it works in both ways doesn't it it's yeah. that it's that way of getting it to to, to know that someone cares actually and, and I, it's one of the things that I think has really shifted in the language of organizations over the last six months you know people are actually talking about some of the kind of more emotional elements mm-hmm. of, of people in work that perhaps weren't talked about before. So it's okay to say you care, you know, and it's okay to say that you're struggling and it's okay to, to give people space. And, and th- I think it's been really beneficial that we're 
not just giving permission to people to do things, but actually recognizing these challenges front on. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. And you mentioned kind of there being a, a change in attitude towards kind of the emotional, the personal side of things. And it, that really reflects what uh, Emma Tucker from Temenos said in, in the last episode of this podcast, where um, her company Temenos had changed uh, messaging from being fairly kind of um, business focused and mm. they were always traditionally kind of a, a kind of a high growth company, lots of product launches, you know, awards and accolades. And that was the kind of communication that, you know, this is the way forward, this is where we're going. And it, she kind of mentioned it quite, quite quickly, but organically changed during this year to a kind of a, a personal approach and yeah. kind of focusing on the people of Temenos. And she said that's even going to extend into the external communications. And instead of, you know, case studies was what she said, case studies would usually focus on purely on the results and, kind of what technology was implemented whereas they're going to kind of change to be about how the, it, what impact it had on the people at their clients at the banks how you know how it made them feel how it changed their days and I thought that was really interesting and totally mirrors exactly what you've just said today. Yeah and it'll be interesting in you know months years to come how that shifts not you know not just individuals within organizations but work cultures as a whole. Yeah, yeah, you think it'd be pretty unrecognisable even next year with the with the with the amount of change that's had to happen in in twenty twenty, and unfortunately, you've seen kind of um, businesses kind of having to make cuts, and you just hope that it's the the culture side of thing kind of kind of comes along and doesn't get ignored and cut at the same time as some of the yeah. resources and and that the people that are still working there and, and kind of moving into different roles are kind of able to get that support and and really feel yeah a connection to the company if you know if and when we get out of this kind of uh, pandemic crisis mode yeah whenever that might be <laughs> yeah it's, can't put a date on that one just yet doesn't seem no. like no um so you, you mentioned there that one of your clients quite quickly at the start of um, lockdown kind of you know shifted their message to their self family work in that order. I was just wondering if there were any other immediate changes that you saw kind of your clients you know, needing help with. Yeah, well, I, I think you know, and I'm I'm sure internal comms practitioners across the country will recognize this there was that obvious need obvious need and that people had for more information um, and changing information at the pace um, that things were moving particularly March April May time although I'm not sure it's calmed down that much now but being able to ensure that people had what they needed to make the decisions that they needed to make for themselves personally and to be able to work at a time that worked for them and that was, you know, in a, in a timely way when that information was becoming available, um, but also in a way that worked for them as well. Um, one chief executive I was working with said to me at the very outset, you know, we need your help more than ever in the internal comm space. And actually, I want people to feel more connected than they ever have before in this organisation, even though we're all now working remotely. And I thought that was a really... Um, <sighs> I don't quite know the word, but quite um, a forward thinking approach to it. So I, I felt personally quite, you know, do you know what? I want to work with this person who feels that that, that is how things should be because they're absolutely right. Um, this is, 
an opportunity for us to ensure that everyone can find a way to be connected when we could possibly be feeling the most disconnected from work than we ever had. So the amount of internal comms and the amount of messaging and the need for new channels just sort of went to the roof with most of the clients that, that we work with. Um, and that was probably the most immediate response and need that we saw to all of this. Yeah, I think the the chief execs kind of um, focus on on getting those connections there. You can you can imagine you can see how that would play such a big part in someone's life when the other connections that you know you you know if you think about maybe at the start of the year where you come to work and, and you and you you know you'd make the connections you do the job but you'd also then have the opportunity to see family see friends at the weekend or or after work and suddenly those connections were being really limited as well so the fact that the business wanted to kind of almost step up and make colleagues even more connected you could really see how that could really foster kind of a sense of community at a time when those kind of connections were being in danger of being broken at work and in in people's personal lives and and, you know people are in different situations aren't they um you know people are living on their own that becomes obviously even more difficult but actually even people living with families and you mentioned small children that's really Mm -hmm. tough you know when you're trying to manage your family as well as work and finding different ways to stay connected in those different circumstances becomes really important you know even even on a a really sort of small level uh, one team that I was working with we decided straight up that you know I'd be available along with one of the other colleagues there for at least half an hour every day at 10 o'clock on a particular channel and anyone could drop in at any time. And actually, there's always somebody. (laughs) It's quite a small team, but somebody always drops in. And sometimes it is literally just to say, hi, are you okay? You know, Mm -hmm. with a cup of coffee and have that chat um, because I just didn't want anyone to feel that they were completely isolated or on their own. And, you know, as as in a work environment, you can't, you know solve all of those problems but if you can just do that little bit that might make it that little bit easier for somebody and actually for me personally I thrive on talking to people anyway so you know it was great for me because it meant that I kept having that connection that you know my kind of way of working needs yeah that sounds like a really good initiative and I think having those kind of intentional points of contact um, or the the opportunity to have those contacts is re- is really important, and I know if I think about how I've interacted with with my team, it, it changed from having a weekly update where we chat about everything to do with marketing, and actually in a, kind of this remote world, it just that just didn't that just didn't really feel right to have a, a meeting on a Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon. Um, to talk about that and then you'd potentially kind of get lost in your work you work in different patterns you know I was working different hours to you know so that uh, me and my wife and could look after kids and, and, and carry on working at the same time and before you know it you're back to Monday or Tuesday and having that, that meeting yeah. and that's just yeah. crazy not to have that interaction with a small team so we broke it down to have uh, individual shorter meetings individual meetings about kind of key topics and points where you'd be mainly focused on just that one thing um, and that that suddenly felt a lot better suddenly felt that you were kind of seeing more more you were seeing more people more more of the time on different different days and it did feel like there was a bit more energy in the work as opposed to mm-hmm. having to do a massive download of what's been going on in the week um, and just that little tweak felt good 
And I think we, we've all had to make those tweaks, haven't we? Because actually we do all, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I miss those kind of, you know, stood, stood in the coffee queue having a quick chat with someone you haven't seen for a while or just being able to sort of swivel your chair around and shout across the room to somebody about something they're doing or seeing somebody as you get out the car in the morning and having a quick chat about how they spent their evening last night it's those small interactions that for me personally I find the most challenging not to have um you know you can you can say you can make time for formal conversations but how do you replace those sort of smaller interactions um as, as being quite a challenge yes yeah totally agree and it's just actually reminded me that this time last year we were um well into the midst of the kind of company uh, bake-off tournament and so we're <laughs> sampling all kinds of treats and that's just uh yeah that's been laid to waste this year unfortunately yeah, yeah. and it's uh it's hard for people it's hard for all of us isn't it but it's um it's not I, you know, I personally I don't think that you can just replicate those in any way but there are things you can do just to try and make it a little bit better and it's you know some of that personal interaction stuff becomes you know the important replacement if there is such a thing yeah yeah no you're right you, so you mentioned that kind of immediately when kind of um, lockdown was introduced that businesses people were kind of uh, racing towards uh, the communication, making sure people had the right communication, they could get to the right places, maybe new channels were being opened up. Is that kind of the same now? Are those the same challenges that people are facing or asking you questions around or or has it changed slightly? No, there's been there's been a definite shift, and I think that shift sort of came somewhere in the summer, maybe. Um, it's hard for hard for a finger on it, isn't it? But um, and yes. someone said to me once, so you know, I'm not working remotely. I'm working from home during a global pandemic, and it's a very different thing. And that's what those first three months very much felt that like. You know, this wasn't a normal situation in any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't just I've gone from working two days a week from home to five. You know, this was trying to just get by. Yeah. Um, but as people sort of started, um, you know, came out of lockdown a bit and, you know, I know we're in lo- local lockdowns again and people got similar challenges, but it opened up more opportunity for people to start thinking about what comes next. And I think even though we've got challenges now, that thinking about what's next has started to come into um, the way organisations are talking and planning um, and really thinking about what that workplace of the future looks like. Um, I know there are some people who hate working from home or are unable to do so or find it very difficult um, and you know can't wait to get back to some kind of um, whether it's an office environment or something else. Um, there's some people who love working from home and might want to do five days a week from home. But most people seem to be somewhere in the middle. And I think that's where the real shift is going to be. So organisations are starting to ask that question around, well, actually, what does the future workplace look like? Not necessarily office, that workplace. Um, And what does it need to be? And what are we going to want from it? So it feels like we've moved away from having um, a desk where you come in and you sit from nine till five to do a job because you have to be sat at a desk to actually I need to go into a workplace because I have a specific task that I need to do or something I have to achieve that's better done in that way and and I think that that question around what does a workplace look like and what what do we need to give people in the future that allows them to have the flexibility to sort of be the best they can be um, to actually respond to what people need to work well rather than what an organization felt had to happen just because it's what we'd done 
for years and years. So I think that question around future workplaces is a, is a really important one. Um, and I think a lot of senior leaders, or well, I hope a lot of senior leaders are, are getting to that realisation that, that presenteeism isn't the answer. It's about actually supporting and providing um, the environment that people need to work effectively. And all of that, like, you know, and it's like this hasn't changed at all, actually. It's about trust. It's about having trust in in your colleagues, in each other, in leadership, leadership trusting in the organisation, that people will do what's best. But how does the organisation support them in that? And then within that, what's the role of change and communications in making that happen? And so when we're talking about workplaces and and it's potentially my mind went straight to kind of, okay, well, what's best for for me to do my work? Uh, yeah. um, but then it, that kind of potentially negates what we were also talking about with the less formal kind of kind of communications that happen in a in a shared space. And I just wonder around, businesses and leaders that are planning or, or starting to think about this change from office to workplace to you know a hybrid between people being in and people working from different spaces and how teams kind of maybe need to manage the fact that it would be ideal or it might be good for for more than one person to be in a location at the same time and kind of how that will be different from how people are used to just working and doing what's best for them right now. It's kind of maybe going to be a bit of friction there between the individual and, and the and the company or and the team again, potentially. Um, you know, it, it, this is goes, this goes back to really understanding what people need. And, and I say, I say what people need rather than what the organization needs, because I think if you can understand what your people need, you can start building an organization around that, mm-hmm. that will help you meet your needs better. Um, so understanding what's needed for people to do their job effectively. And that some of that will be, you know, whether it's, uh, I need to go into a collaborative space once a week to bounce ideas around about a new project, or right down to, well, actually, I need to be face-to-face with the client or it could be I just need a quiet space where I can go and work and we need to understand what all those things are and look at the most effective way to provide that now it's not going to tick every box but then the workplaces we had before didn't tick every box for everybody yeah. and I, I think yeah, when it comes to the role of internal comms in that it's about getting people involved and exploring what some of those things could look like and testing them and getting feedback and really having that two-way dialogue that an organization can really get involved and understand what's going to, to work now in this very kind of short medium term piece and more longer term on that and that'll be a whole mix of things and I think one of, one of the things that you know I've seen so much over the last sort of six nine months is people trying new things they don't mm-hmm. always work and that's fine but actually keep bouncing new stuff out there and see if actually that's something that can help fill a gap or not you know whether that's some of the things that you might already be familiar with like you know internal blogs or um, web chats or webinars um, getting leaders up in front of the organization in different ways um, or through to, you know, new online tools, you know, whether you, something like Miro for doing whiteboards, you know, someone said to me the other day, you know, we've reached, reached a point where we need to start thinking about how we do things differently. It's not about, oh, you know, I need to wait to go back to the office to support colleagues. We need to be able to learn to do it differently now. You know, I can't wait to go back to the office to performance manage someone. We need to learn to do it differently now. 
And I think that realization that this is a longer term piece that is going to shift the way we do things is allowing people to actually be more creative and think about things differently. So what are all those answers? I, I don't know what they all are, but actually the fact that people are exploring different things and trying them out and recognizing that it has to be different is a massive step. Yeah, it feel, certainly feels like it's everyone's recognized that what was happening before um, was kind of maybe ticking along. And, and you know, if we think back to, to the first part of this, where it's where I talked about, you know, research had said that more people would be working remotely and then the pandemic happened, but there was this shift that was happening anyway. So getting people kind of used to the idea was a, was a little bit drastic this year, I suppose, but um, it it was one way of doing it, but not one we'll choose. (laughs) No, no, I don't think it was. But, but But actually saying that, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here. We never thought that we'd be in a place where that change bit happened so quickly. Now, that doesn't mean it's been easy for people. Um, and it doesn't mean, you know, people. a few people said to me, oh, you know, it's been great because, you know, in six months, we've managed to get further than we would have done in our change programme in six years. Well, yes, and that's good. And we need to find the positives in that. But actually, people will still have found it hard. You know, change is still hard for people. And we yeah. need to recognise that and support them. But there's, you know, some, there's some really good stuff that's coming out of this. I was chatting to someone the other day about, um, you know, how this situation has been a great leveller so for example you know in in Wales where where I work and live you know geographically north to south Wales doesn't look very far but to drive it takes forever it's the most beautiful drive if you've ever done it yeah you'll know if you don't you should when you can because it's it's magnificent scenery but it takes a long time so when you've got an organization that you've got some people working in north wales some in west wales some in south wales and you know you you've always got the people in one office with one or two people dialing in um that's actually not a very good balance mm-hmm. um, that geographically everyone on zoom together everyone on teams together or whatever platform you're using suddenly you're all in the same place so it's a real leveler from a geographical seniority um, positioning in an organization where everyone can start to feel more equal and, and people starting to feel like that allows people to contribute more and feel more more involved and part of an organization so for me it's how do we take those really good things that have come out of this and adopt them in whatever our new world is going to look like yeah that's, that's a really good point and especially on the kind of the the leveler point of view from when you mentioned seniority and i can think back to kind of meetings that i've had that um people that know that i've had with their kind of uh, seniors their maybe line managers or, or kind of or higher and you suddenly you see what their spare room looks like or their kitchen looks like. And, you know, you, you kind of notice the pictures on the wall and, and you do kind of get more personality from someone that you perhaps, they might, you know, unconscious, subconsciously kind of put up a bit of a work barrier in the office that kind of does, does yeah. fall away a little bit. And, but there's also the other side of that. I do know that some people really struggle with that, actually. They like their personal space um, <laughs> and they don't like sharing that bit of their world. You know, and, and you, know, you, you get it. Some people, for example, that just don't like having their videos turned on in, yeah. in video calls. And actually, you know, even me personally, at first I was like, oh, that's a bit rude. And I can't see their face. Can't see what they're up to because <laughs> I like seeing people. I like chatting to people. But actually, if that was making somebody uncomfortable in their workplace, because that was now their workplace as well as their home, then yeah. actually that's fine. And I just think we need to take the positives. So where it does allow you to engage with people and feel part and understand people, brilliant. But actually cut people some slack as well about understanding what works for different people and making sure that organisations can reflect all of that 
Um, again, it's going back to that bit about the user need and really understanding what people need to be effective. Yeah, and yeah, I guess like you say, it's not, it's never going to be a, a blanket one size fits all approach that kind of gets the best performance yeah. or best result. And, and you, you know, you'll have seen the debates on Twitter, as I'm sure we all have. Someone says, I love this working from home. And then it gets a million people saying, no, I hate it. <laughs> and, blah, 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 and the vice versa is happening. And it just shows that, you know, people, we're different. People are different. We respond differently to different situations at different times, depending on who we are and what's going on around us. Um, and that's something that organizations are really going to have to think about. Um, and that, not just think, but actually it's a massive opportunity. To, to create a different way of working that actually gets more out of people because we're treating them as individuals and allowing them to work in a way that actually works for them as well as the organization yeah and i think on that note for for internal comms that that i guess my mind is thinking that that presents kind of a whole new challenge the fact that there is going to be potentially more um disparate number of channels that people want to use or, or kind of communication is, is slightly different for different people and it's you know, it's, it's making sure that the um, maybe not skills because communication is always going to be there but maybe it is yeah. starting to, th- to think about the tools because we looked at the user needs and it's understanding kind of how people want to receive information how to best engage with it and then seeing how that can be delivered and which messages need to go into that it's kind of a potentially something a little bit new or a little bit different to those initial stages of oh my gosh we've got so much information we need to get out there there's so much yeah. change going on it's just uh, like, yeah and well you know when i've worked with organizations on this i've actually encouraged them to put a little bit of structure around it um so actually put a bit of a framework in place around how you're going to communicate with who and how often that may seem really basic but when you're in the midst of this kind of change it's hard you know it's very easy to forget that and suddenly just use every channel you can think of fire it out to everybody and hope for the best actually if you take that little bit of time to step back and plan and think about what you're trying to achieve who you're trying to reach and how do you open up those two-way channels of communication and that might result in you saying do you know what we need to put this message out via six channels but if you're doing that knowingly because you've understood your audience and know what's needed to help support them then that's a good thing it's when you end up doing it ad hoc all over the place that um, can be challenging for the people receiving the information as well I don't know about you but I seem to have on my phone at the moment I've got slack I've got twitter I've got whatsapp I've got teams I've got email and I I forget which channel I'm having a conversation on to with whom sometimes I was like I know someone sent me a message I can't even find it anymore <laughs> but yeah. I'm trying them all out yeah I've, you know, I've got that situation but it's actually with my with my daughter's school she just started school and there's at least three or four different kind of apps or <laughs> parent mail kind of that are getting used and it's really confusing as to which one goes where and yeah I get some my wife Lost gets some yeah. and it's kind of like oh did you see that one I said, no didn't see that one so yes i can totally it see how that and you know part of that is you know these organizations are responding really quickly to this stuff and they're trying to put new channels in place and they haven't worked out what the best one is <laughs> to reach people and, and I, I i cut people some slack on that you know we're, we're all trying to muddle our way through it but oh, yeah. as, a, as a user um you're right trying to find trying to find the right channel but hey when my kids were starting school they had no electronic channels so um you know count yourself lucky yeah crumple piece of paper in the backpack yeah that's about it <laughs> although there's something to be said for that as well yeah yeah always just about always managed to get home i think yeah <laughs> um okay that's great so 
I mean, so this podcast is, is called Remote Control, so I couldn't really do it without asking for tele recommendations. So uh, what are you watching and, and anything that you would recommend? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to show myself after being so far behind in this one. Um, <laughs> so, so what we're watching at the moment, which my 15 year old son got us watching because he thinks it's hysterical, um, is Friday Night Dinner. Don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I think it was on it was on some mainstream channel at some point. But it's on Netflix at the moment. And I have to say it makes me chuckle. I'm not a laugh out loud person with television, but it makes me chuckle. Um, not least because episode by episode, I'm just starting to think that my husband and myself are tuning into those parents <laughs> in that. I think we, we have become them and I didn't, don't know quite how that happened and it makes it even more cringeworthy. Yeah, no, that's that's funny. That is kind of a recommendation from from your son, but suddenly you're seeing <laughs> yourself in that. I know, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. No, I, I've seen a few of those, but, but not all of them, but actually... Um, Jennifer Sproul from the Institute of Internal yeah. Comms mentioned yeah. that as one of her recommendations too. So, yeah. I, I do. Mean, I love it. And there are only people like me who can't concentrate on television for very long. They're only half an hour episodes. I can't be doing with these two hour episodes at a time things that you need to binge watch. So half an hour in there, have a good laugh. Say to yourself, oh my goodness, I've turned into that person. And then on to the next thing. <laughs> that sounds good. It sounds like a good bit of light relief at the uh, the end exactly. of very busy days. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Victoria. It's been like an amazing conversation and could kind of carry on for a lot longer. But um, I think my my computer's about to blow up, as we're in a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've been really enjoyed talking to you. So again, thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, no, no problem. Is there anywhere that um, you want to send our listeners to or point them in, in direction for any more information, either to connect with you or to find out more information about what we've been talking about? Well, actually, an opportunity to link people into one thing. Um, for comms professionals out there, particularly right now, um, if you're not already following or haven't picked up on Comms Unplugged, um, I would really advise you to go and have a look. Um, it's um, kind of a voluntary organisation, I suppose, of comms professionals in the public sector who've got together to really support comms professionals with their well-being and really focusing on how you unplug from this mad world that we're in to look after yourself a little bit um, and there's some great stuff in there they're a great community of people um, share some really good stuff um, and we really do all need to look after ourselves right now oh awesome well i'll make sure i include a link to that in the episode notes so that will go out to wherever anyone listens to their, their podcast there'll be kind of a, a link to that in there Fab, thank you Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you. Thanks again. Um, it's been really great chatting. Thanks, Jack. Remote Control, an internal comms podcast by StreamGo.